0: day live i'm graham lynch welcome to the show today we're going to head to barcelona find out what's been going on on the sidelines of mobile world congress but first up here in uh, sunny sydney is the executive editor of comms day rowan pierce how are you i'm good except i do have very soggy shoes still after this week <laughs> indeed um now funnily enough even though um Parliament has almost risen for its term, apart from some budget sessions coming up. There's a lot of stuff happening in the legislative space um, around telecommunications. And first up, um, there's a new proposal out to uh, create some new cyber security obligations on telcos through their carrier licences. Tell us all about it, Rowan.
1: Yeah, so this is like, obviously the government is still kind of like focusing on critical infrastructure. They've got like a second critical infrastructure bill they're going to pass. But there's been this big question of, um, I guess, how are these critical infrastructure obligations going to apply to telcos? Because telcos obviously already have a set of security obligations under the um, TSSR. And so, what the government is doing now is they're consulting on a new carrier licence condition, or, or for carriage service providers, it'll be a new rule, which will basically implement those critical um, infrastructure obligations for telcos. So this is like this is a kind of ploy to avoid that um, that duplication. So instead of using the critical infrastructure act, they're going to use the telco act. Um, so it does cover things like um, the the new licence condition that the department's consulting on at the moment means that you know telcos have an obligation to disclose within. 12 hours um, of a cybersecurity incident, they have to disclose that incident to the Australian Signals Directorate. Also, other obligations that are covered under the critical infrastructure legislation, like uh, registering critical um, critical assets. So, yeah, basically using the framework of the Telco Act to implement a lot of these obligations, which I know at least Telstra has come back and said that they, they endorse that kind of approach in general because um, it does avoid that duplication. And I guess, like, um, the... The other thing is that other obligations, like around systems of national significance, which are contained in a kind of bill currently being considered by Parliament, they'll still go through that framework rather than the Telco Act.
0: Okay, um, moving on. Um, Some of our listeners will be aware of the consumer data right, which has been uh, implemented in the banking sector. But it's moving into the telecommunications sector this year. And uh, Federal Treasury this week released some detail on how they think it will be deployed.
1: Yeah, so earlier this year, the government kind of formally said that, you know, formally designated telco as the next sector for the consumer data, right? Like you mentioned, it follows banking and also um, the energy sector as well. So the kind of Treasury is looking at the kind of rules and standards that are really the nitty-gritty of how it's going to operate in the telco sector. There's quite a few interesting things in there. Um, One thing is that we know... For example, if you're a telco with fewer than 30,000 customers, you're not likely to be subject to the um, CDR. So that's kind of a similar approach that they've done in the energy sector, where the threshold's 10,000 customers. Although what I I thought just on that point that was kind of um, interesting is you look at some other bits of telco regulation, like the um, the superfast broadband access service, for example, that's overseen by the ACCC, and that actually has a 12,000 premises threshold. So it doesn't quite um, align on that level um but a few other details from what treasury is looking at they're uh, they're saying they're probably going to focus on consumers and small business products so won't cover enterprise um and i guess they're also looking at like what are the actual data standards that are going to be used so they're trying to kind of align it to international standards um, and also the, the final thing about the roller is they're probably going to take a phased approach like they did in banking so initially it'll probably apply to like the big big mobile network operators presumably and it'll just be focused on kind of generic product data and then slowly that's going to be extended down the chain and going to cover more types of data like billing data and also obviously more telcos to that to that kind of threshold of thirty thousand customers.
0: Okay, thanks for joining us today, Robin. Cheers. moving on um the world's biggest telecom trade show mobile world congress has, has just finished in barcelona this week i had a chat with nikos katanakis who's the group executive at networks and it from telstra who's there um on the sidelines he, he he kindly agreed to speak with comms day live even though he probably had better things to do <laughs> at the show and i asked him first up what was the hottest topic for discussion at the show
2: I mean the big uh, the big topic of discussion, Graham, is uh, the metaverse, and I mean it's everybody's talking about it, and of course, what's hiding behind it, and everybody's trying to understand how will it play out over the next, you know, five to ten years, and and, and again, just very quickly, what is the metaverse? Is the digitization, if you will, of our physical environment, where people now can do things in that digital environment. Um, So so, so that's quite fascinating, of course. Uh, And you have already started seeing, when people talk about, oh, I have uh, created a digital twin of an office building. Okay, that's, that's the beginning. Or I have my, you know, AR, VR glasses, Oculus or whatever, and I'm playing a game or I'm experiencing a YouTube video and I can look left and right and up and down. That's again the beginning. So of course, what's what hiding behind it is as you create all these digital replicas of our physical environment, uh, you start seeing things emerge uh, that are very different from what we do today, whether it's training or experiencing other locations or, you know, trying something before you fail in real life. and um, And I'm not gonna talk about the truly advanced in industry so apologies up front um you know porn and gaming oh. are always leading a lot of these things and uh, <laughs> again it's it's a reality we we must accept it they they are truly pushing the envelope in some of these things
0: okay so what, what, and gonna
2: sorry, drive go- the, i was going to say and, and it's going to drive a lot of data
0: consumption yeah. yeah so what does that mean for the network um in terms of the metaverse and the different types of things it will need from a network to be successful.
2: Well, two things. I mean, one is continued data growth. So that's that's going to happen uh, because of the increased amounts of data that will need to be transferred. The other thing is uh, I'm going to I'm going to talk very briefly about the edge, and you have heard the expression, how oh, it's computing and scamming and low latency. Well, think about uh, not only for enterprise where I think we all understand the use cases. Think about a consumer, for example, where they they wear some kind of goggles five years from now and they augment through the goggles what they're looking at. You know, instead of having your phone displaying the map, you wear goggles and not only displays the map, and it overlays the information in what you're looking at. So you look at the store and it says, okay, here's what this store sells, or here's the coupon, or whatever. That kind of computing power, as you can imagine, will never be contained in a super thin, super light set of glasses. It's gonna have to be contained somewhere else. Mm. That's maybe the device that sits in your pocket, or the edge compute capability that sits somewhere in the city that you're in or someone nearby so that the information gets delivered to you with low latency, so that you don't have, you know, flickering, you don't have delay between information and image. So all these things are coming up. It's not today, it's not tomorrow, but it's in the next five, seven years.
0: Um, We had the announcement this week about the edge compute trials with Ericsson and Microsoft. Um, I think a lot of our readers understand the concept of edge compute, but what does it actually mean in the network? Does that mean that you're moving intelligence to the base station? Or where where physically in the network is this actually occurring?
2: Yes, so so two things, uh, Graham. One is people talk about edge compute, Uh, we're going to put some service in some location, uh, and that can be anywhere and next thing you know, you have edge compute. Mm. That is partly true, Mm. but it doesn't solve the problem of low latency because you know, let's say you're sitting at your office at home and somebody shows up and says, ah, I'm gonna give you edge compute capability, you're gonna have fantastic experience and I'm gonna put three servers so we can store things and you can... What happens is that nothing changes. Mm. Your information is closer to you, but you still have to traverse, I don't know, a good chunk of the country to hop on onto the network.
0: Yeah.
2: So, so there you let computes where low latency materializes and resiliency materializes is when the network capability, the network smarts are sitting next to those servers, if you will, your, where your application is. Uh-huh. So when you combine those two, that's when you truly enable the things we're talking about. So what uh, what I'm... By putting the the network smarts out there next to that capability from you know storage and computing power, that's where the good stuff gets enabled: low latency, resilience, etc. And we're not talking hundreds of locations or thousands of locations. We're talking what's far enough so that low latency can materialize, and what's uh, dense enough in terms of locations so that when an incident happens. Uh, you don't lose a whole city or a whole state or anything like that, right? you You lose the blast zone becomes a lot smaller. yeah, so the words I used to describe, this is we're we're going back to the future and're going to start distributing the network itself. yeah, so so smarts uh, will go out there and you know we're not going to have only Melbourne and Sydney with uh, the intelligence, we're going to have Perth and Brisbane and uh, Darwin and Alice Springs and maybe Broome and mm. whatever is required to cover uh, the customer demand and of course the application capabilities that, that are being used.
0: Okay. Um, you had another announcement this week with Qualcomm and Ericsson regarding a new network download speed record, 5.9 gigabits yes. per second over a smartphone test device. In practice what kind of new applications and services can a phone operating at this type of speed enable?
2: I mean to be honest the gram those are crazy speeds, right? And huh. and of course under optimum uh, optimal conditions. So so this is not what the average user is gonna see when they're strolling down Saint Kilda right? Or whatever. Uh. Uh, but what it does enable, when, when that kind of capacity gets unleashed, the kind of things you start seeing is, uh, can you have a backup on wireless? So if I combine the two announcements then, and you can see easily things where uh, a small enterprise can say, well, I would like uh, you know, fiber as my primary connection and 5G as my secondary connection. So if the fiber gets cut, I can still run the business on wireless or the reverse. You can say, you know, I I, I just don't want to maintain Wi-Fi inside the, you know, the building or whatever. I don't want to have cables running all over. I don't have to worry about SSIDs and security. I'm going to run everything on 5G. And if 5G is down, I'm going to have a wire backup to cover me just in case. But I don't have to kind of maintain it every day. Or even more extreme, you have two wireless connections, one is primary is, is, and one is secondary. It's those things that are being enabled now with uh, with this kind of speeds, which translates into with with this kind of capacity.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, you've been there for a day. Um, how do you feel Telstra is tracking in terms of its global peers, in terms of 5G adoption and and uh, not, not just adoption, but I guess the application of the possibilities of the technology. Uh, a, a couple of comments on that graph.
2: First of all, one of the major benefits for us and why we attend every year and even during COVID, uh, when we've been in trouble, uh, we try to have these virtual meetings. What it does, it, it allows us to validate our thinking with uh, Lots of peers around the globe and lots of um, manufacturers, suppliers, etc. So if if the general themes fall align, it kind of validates and allows us to to clear our thinking as much as possible. That yes, we are on the right direction, or hope take a take a moment, rethink this because nobody else is talking about it, or they're not thinking about it, or they're saying it's. It's just not going to happen, right? So it's a great opportunity for us to to really validate our strategy. And where we're at, in terms of deployment, we continue to be uh, one of the leading countries globally. And given the size of Australia, uh, uh, we're we're really up there. So 80% pops covered by, by end of June. Given the size, it's mightily impressive and all our peers Share uh, share that thought with us. Uh, the second thing, in terms of use cases, I think everybody's um, pretty aligned with what we have been talking about. First implementations, it's all about the enterprise and the things like we announced, so uh, alternative uh, connection points uh, enabling the applications on top to be mobile, so for example, supply chain, a lot more IoT, more and more sensors, and have the ability to collect all the data and analyze it almost real time. Uh, video analytics, quite uh, quite big. And by video analytics, you know, whether you're at the airport uh, scanning faces or you have uh, a, a step uh, tracker at the entrance of the store making You know, analyzing your data of how many people come in, how long they stay, how long they buy, do they buy, do they not buy, do they go after three minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes. So, so a lot of interesting things. And manufacturing is the other big thing that's uh, coming up uh, consistently. So, manufacturing means inside the factory or a production facility or whatever to replace again a lot of the wires with wireless with quality of service enabled where you run the robots, the machines, the quality uh, inspections, all electronically and automatically, using either cameras or robots, etc., to, to to really run production. Uh, why this is interesting, of course, is because it just makes reconfigurations of those places a lot easier.
0: Okay. Okay. Final question: um, What are you most looking forward to doing, or seeing, or hearing over the remaining days of MWC? A
2: few, a few things. A, a, again, five G applications and what people are thinking. Uh, there are some uh, some interesting things: uh, robot server and things like that. Um, what kind of devices are coming down the path? Are we going to see any innovation? Um, that we're not expecting, or are they going to continue to be square and big? Um, In terms of gear, for us in particular, what type of uh, radio capabilities are coming down the path, and um, do they get smaller? Uh, More importantly, are they consuming less energy? Are we becoming greener? Uh, Given our targets that we have announced for 2025 and 2030, that's quite high on the agenda for us making sure we consume less and less. And the final, the final comment, Graham, as to what we're looking forward to seeing is, um, will, they, will the ecosystem of partners continue to rely on each other? Uh, one of the things we keep saying these days is that nobody can do it alone. It doesn't matter if you're Microsoft or Google or Telstra or Ericsson uh, or Cisco. Uh, you're going to have to collaborate with each other to deliver the kind of capabilities that uh, uh, the market demands. And it's really testing that and seeing whether those ecosystems of partners will continue to flourish.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, well, look, thank you so much for your time. It really is very much appreciated. And enjoy the rest of your week in Barcelona. I wish I was there with you. (laughs) Thank you, Graham.